In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, we to talk about mysteries a little bit. I think people like mysteries. Uh, anybody in here like mysteries? Maybe Agatha Christie or Sherlock or uh, Father Brown. That's a favorite in our house. Yeah, we got, got some hands going. Okay. Uh, there are other kinds of mysteries that people like. People like uh, going on adventures and, and exploring new places because you wonder what's around the next bend, what's around the corner. There's a, a hunger to uncover mysteries uh, that drives, I think, all of science. And, and, and isn't that the way it should be? Um, there's the mystery that in other people and getting to know other people. Uh, Dawn and I have known each other quite a while, and I'm still learning new things about her. So uh, people like mysteries of, of different kinds. Um, today being Trinity Sunday, this is one of the few Sundays that the church devotes to understanding a Christian doctrine. We don't do that often. And as much as we know about God, there's still mystery that surrounds him. And no concept of God is probably more mysterious than the Trinity. It's, it's, it's hard to understand and comprehend how can these things be true. And uh, while, while the word Trinity, you never find that in the Scriptures you certainly do find the mystery of God's nature and, and what he's like and who he is. Uh, for instance, the, the Jewish people were radically monotheistic. They were strict about it, and it separated them from the, the people that lived around them. Most of the people that lived around them were heavily polytheistic. They had many gods. Uh, they, they, some of them had hundreds of gods. Some of them had thousands of gods that they worshipped. And but the Jews were different from just about everybody on the planet. They said, "No, no, no, no. There is one God, and He's the God who created all, and He's the God over every nation and every people." Uh, God revealed that He was the only God. For instance, He told Moses in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, says the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one of him. It's the beginning of what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. In Isaiah 43, he told Isaiah, before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. In other words, he's the only one. Again, in Isaiah, this is what the Lord says, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty, says, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. He's the only God. And yet, we have this, this thing, this mystery, this, it, it's hard to comprehend, in the very first Verse of the Torah, of, of all of the scriptures, Genesis 1-1, we're told in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But that word God, 
is Elohim, which is a plural form of God. Daniel had a vision of God. Uh, if you read through Daniel 7, you'll, you'll read this part, starting in verse 9. And, and it's this view, this vision that Daniel has of, of judgment that's to come. And Daniel says, I watched as thrones were put in place and the ancient one sat down to judge. Who is he talking about there? God. Right? This is God. His, his clothing was white as snow. His hair like the purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. And, and, and a river of fire was pouring out. It was flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session. And the books were open. Do you feel the tension building here? Yeah? He says, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. Now, they didn't know it at the time when Daniel wrote this. He didn't understand all the vision, but we've come to understand that this is who? Jesus, right? But at the time, they didn't know. This is just one like a son of man. And he was given authority and honor and sovereignty over the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is, encircled as eternal. Eternal. Who is eternal but God? And yet here's one like a son of man who's coming into the presence of the Father. And he's being adorned with authority. And he's being worshipped. And he's being given a kingdom that will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. I mean, those are things that you only say of God. And the Jews believed that this person was divine somehow, and, but there was a mystery about it. And, and they didn't really try hard to, to define the mystery. They accepted the mystery of it. You have God, creator and judge. You have the Son of Man worshipped with an eternal kingdom. And then they also knew that you have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Elohim. Who, as we're told in Psalm 139, is everywhere. There's nowhere we can go and hide from him. So how can three gods actually be one God? And it was a, it was a mystery. I mean, it gets, it gets your curiosity going. At least it should. If it doesn't, your wood is wet. Right? But this is a mystery to be pondered. I don't think you'll solve it, but you should try. We, we'll, we won't solve it, you know, the, but we know that there are some things that are true, but it doesn't solve the mystery. We know that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. We also know that the Father is not the Son or the Spirit. 
We know that the Son is not the Father or the Spirit. And we know the Spirit is not the Father or the Son. And oh, by the way, there are not three gods. There's one God. And, and how, how can it be? What does that mean? And I'm telling you, I don't expect you to solve it. But it's good for you to ponder it. It's good for you to dig into it. It's good for you to chew on it, to wonder at it. Because with all that God has revealed about himself, there is still unknown about God. And I think that's meant to whet our appetites. I think it's meant to, to get us hungry to know more. Who is he? What's he really like? And there's some things that you won't ever find satisfaction unless you go to the source and drink from that holy stream and taste of him. Proverbs 25.2 It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. In other words, God is praised for being mysterious. God is praised for making things and doing things that we don't understand at first glance. Because he's bigger and deeper than immediate understanding. Right? So God is... Praise, it's his glory to conceal things. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Rulers, people are praised for explaining mysteries, for diving in, for, for being curious, for searching it out, chewing on it, figuring it out. It's true and in science, it's true in, in, in all kinds of areas. But it's true about God as well. What is he really like? Can you see him? You know, is he, is he really so holy and powerful that nobody can look on him? Well, if that's true, then why did John and Ezekiel both describe what he looks like among others? John's first look into heaven, and, and, and he says, I was, I was caught up, I was taken up, I was, I was shown some things. And his first look is into the throne room and seeing who's on the throne. He says, I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. Now, who is that? It's God, right? The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. It's very similar to what Ezekiel was talking about. I'm just going to put the, the picture up there. If you open the, the first chapter of Ezekiel, this is what's described. This is a pretty good picture of it. I'm going to focus in a little bit on who's sitting up top. It, it may not be very clear to you, but... This is what Ezekiel said. He, this is, again, what he saw coming toward him. He doesn't say it was a vision. It wasn't a dream. This is something he saw. He said, above the expanse over their heads, he'd been talking about this for a few verses, was a, what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that... 
from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, full of fire. And that from there down, he looked like fire. And brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So there's a rainbow around him. Does that sound familiar? This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So, can you see God? Or not? We're told no one's ever seen him. But then we also are told this by Ezekiel. Pretty descriptive. One of the scriptures we could have read this morning is Moses in the burning bush. I wonder if this description could be why Moses thought he saw a bush that was on fire, but the bush wouldn't consume. Here's something I'm curious about. Was it that God, that Ezekiel saw, who looks like glowing bolts and metal on top and fire down below, was God standing behind the bush so that it looks like the bush is on fire, but that's really God? I don't know. Maybe it was an angel. I mean, angels are described in, in a similar way. We don't have that one. This is another thing that John saw, and he wrote it down in Revelation. I saw another mighty angel. This is chapter 10. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun, and his legs were like fiery pillars. So maybe this is an angel. Maybe that's what Ezekiel saw. Maybe that's what John saw. But then why is an angel sitting on the throne? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's kind of worth looking into, isn't it? Doesn't it? I hope it gets your curiosity up. Thinking about all this, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? I mean, sure, we have theological answers to that, right? You probably know theological answers. But where's the wonder? Theology tells us we're made in His image for good reasons, such as we're spiritual and God is spirit. We're made in His image because... We're made to be relational, and God is relational, so we're made in his image. We're, we're rational, logical thinkers, and, and so is God. We love, but it's because we're like God in that. God loved us first, so we have these theological things that we've learned. But could it be that we're also like God because we have two arms and legs? And the shape that we have. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. But there's a mystery here. It's worth looking into. It's worth chewing on. It's worth digging into. Because it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's the glory of kings to search it out. I don't know about you. I mean, any time I start delving into something, I mean, there are times that I think, well, this is what kings do. 
ask the questions, try and find out. And like, I think that's cool. Think about romance and relationship. Romance has its power. It, it, it's, it's special because of mystery. Proverbs 30. There are three things that amaze me. He writes, no, not four things I don't understand. Number one is how an eagle glides through the air. I mean, how does it how does it make progress? I mean, yes, we have answers. I mean, we know science. We know we have avian biology. Huh? Ornithology. We have big words to describe how much we know about birds. And, and we, we know about aerodynamics. And we can describe this stuff. So we have a lot of knowledge. But isn't there still some kind of undefinable poetic thing that makes us wonder? That goes beyond the science and the knowledge? How about this? The, the same, the author says, goes for how does a snake slither on a rock? It's just weird. How does a ship navigate the ocean? I mean, we know. We know wind and we know tides. and we, we, There's a lot we know, but isn't there something that's beyond our knowledge that makes us go, wow. And, and then I love, and there's four things I don't understand, and here's number four. How a man loves a woman. What is it? I mean, you can talk about hormones and brain chemistry and relationship skills, but there's still something mysterious about romance, isn't there? That je ne sais quoi. I don't know what that is. But it's that, that what is enticing and it's magical in a good relationship. And if you don't have that mystery in your relationship, it's not as good, is it? Mystery is a good thing. And, and that it, it sparks that curiosity to want to know and to dig deeper. And the same thing should be true of our relationship with God. I mean, it goes beyond good theology. And knowing the Sunday school answers. And the daily disciplines of Bible study and prayer. And the, it goes beyond the sacraments, baptism and communion. All those things are good. I'm not saying they're not. They're good. They really are. But shouldn't there be something bigger than that? That, that divine romance. That mysterious thing that draws us closer. That, that makes us want to know more. That, that touches us deeper than orthodox belief touches us. You know what I mean? We, we need to take time to ponder the wonder of God. In Job, we're told, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. Does that mean we shouldn't try? Oh, we should. We should try. Oh. Man, show me more. 
As deep as you go, you won't touch bottom. You will never touch bottom. No matter how deep you dive into who is the Lord. I'm not saying that you can't find reality. We find reality very quickly in Jesus, don't we? But the the height and the depth and the breadth of all that God is, oh, you'll never find the end. But you should try. You should explore. You should go and look. You should ask. You You should wonder about it. How long has it been since you were just in awe of God? Not just in words, because we know that God is unfathomable. But because you sat outside on a starry night and you started looking and and realizing that there are more stars than there are grains of sand on all the beaches of the world. Now, how can God be that big? It's a glorious thing to seek these things out. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. How big is God? How loving is he really? How can he be both fully just and fully loving? Does he have a sense of humor? Does he laugh at the things that I laugh at? So diving into the mysteries about God, the things that we don't understand, the things that we haven't touched bottom about, it can unlock places in our heart, I think, that you can't get to just by memorization and knowledge and obedience. And it, it helps to bring our hearts fully alive, but it will take a fully alive heart to come to know God fully. And God says, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. It takes all of you. You'll never know how big God might be if you're afraid to see if he's big enough for what you're facing now. You have to ask the hard questions that you don't know if there are answers to or not. You have to put him to the test. You have to wonder about things. Even things that may seem silly at first glance. What's God's perspective? From where does he look at the universe? I mean, heaven is, the only thing we know about heaven is somehow it's somewhere up there. But where? I mean, but Jesus ascended into heaven. Where did he go? Silly question. Oh, but aren't you a little bit curious? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. How many universes are there? Can God see them all? Where, where does he stand when he does? Is there life on other planets? If so, how was that life changed by 
Jesus on the cross. Because we're told that that has redeemed all of creation. What does that mean for them? I don't know. But here's what I'm encouraging you. There are mysteries about God. Don't be afraid to dive into them. Asking questions can sometimes be more important than finding answers. And God is so big that I'm betting we have more questions than we'll have answers. But it's the glory. It's our glory to search it out and to seek it out. Amen? Let me pray. Oh, God. Would you strengthen our curiosity muscle to ask questions, to wonder, to find out what it is again to be in awe of you? To ponder how big and how good and how righteous and holy and intimate you are. How close you are. What it means to be yours, to be redeemed, to be loved. Oh God, just help us to dive in. And to keep going deeper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.